over the last several months, we have all seen a noticeable spike in the cost of eggs. And I know now more than ever, you all are likely asking what type of egg is the best to buy and where are we getting the most bang for our buck nutritionally when we're trying to juggle what we spend the extra money on when it comes to things like organic or non-GMO or a lot of different other food marketing claims that we may not understand. And so as we talk about eggs this week and as we talk about the nutrition in eggs, I want to give you just a brief overview that you can either save for future information when you go shopping at the store or just quickly kind of make your own mental notes through so you feel some peace and permission about what type of eggs best align with your family's food values, your family's food budget, and just the overall balance of where you're choosing to spend your money when it comes to grocery shopping. Hey mama, I'm Ashley and welcome to the Veggies and Virtue podcast. In this podcast, you will find simple menu ideas, kitchen organizational systems spelled out for mom life and feeding tips and tricks that are both evidence-based and grace-laced. I believe that you can find flexibility when it comes to feeding your family so that you can feel calm, capable, and connected in the kitchen. As a registered dietitian and Christian mom of three myself, I want you to break free from the mealtime battles and to feel equipped while feeding your kids all day long. Pull up a stool at my kitchen counter and let me pour you a cup of coffee and say a quick prayer for you. It's time to chat about the mealtimes, messes, moments, and ministry of motherhood. Now, as we get into the Easter week, if you've been following this series on eggs, you know I'm highlighting lots of different angles that eggs can come up. But I want to mention this specifically because I know that this is something that causes a lot of confusion. And this week is one week that we're probably all really wondering about the difference. Does the color of the egg matter? So this week, white eggs are probably the one that most people are buying, especially if you are planning to dye Easter eggs. However, I know that the eggs I normally buy are brown. And so I often feel conflicted because I know that people often have the perception that brown eggs are healthier. However, it's important to know that the color of the shell of the egg has nothing to do with the egg's nutritional value, the quality of the egg, or the taste or flavor of the egg itself. Beyond the color of the egg shell, it's important to know that eggs are very economical and that's how they should be for your family. So whatever type of egg is going to best fit your family's food budget is acceptable. And I don't say that across the board for all foods, but because the variance in price of eggs for the quality difference or nutritional difference you're going to get is rather slim. And so At the end of today's episode, if you feel like one best aligns with your family's values or the type of foods that you prefer to purchase for your family and it fits for your food budget, by all means, I hope you feel empowered to buy that type of egg. However, I think it's important for us to remember that no matter what claims are on the label, what color the shells are, the eggs are a nutritious food. Again, assuming all the things that I mentioned in Yesterday's episode where I talked about if your family has an egg allergy, an egg tolerance, or a dietary restriction that limits or restricts eggs in the diet. For those of us who do consume eggs, though, it's important for us to feel that freedom and to not feel guilt or shame around the type of eggs we buy, especially when the price point can vary quite a bit. 
and yet the nutrition doesn't change that much between each. And so we see that they're a high quality source of protein, that they contain vitamins like those A, D, E, and K, those fat soluble vitamins, those are in the yolk, as well as vitamins and minerals like vitamin B, calcium, choline, and selenium. Now, majority of the nutrition in an egg is in the yolk. So we wanna be helping our children learn to like eggs a variety of ways so that as much as possible, they are getting all the nutritional benefits that come from the yolk. Speaking of the yolk, it can be a little confusing as we just talked about the color of the egg shell, because while a white or brown egg doesn't have any difference other than the type of hen that it comes from, there is often a correlation between the color of an egg yolk and the diet that such hens are fed as well as just some of their living conditions and their exposure to sunlight, the way that we see this impact the omega-3 status of such eggs, the vitamin D status in such eggs, and how that kind of impacts just the overall egg that then you're getting to eat from such animals. So I do think the egg yolk color is kind of an interesting thing to compare and contrast here with each of the different types of eggs that we'll look at because you will see that in some studies it shows that the darker or more kind of robust orange deep yellow egg yolks may have more omega-3s and vitamins compared to the paler yellow varieties that often are from hens that have been fed vegetarian diets made up primarily of things like corn and wheat and raised in conventional environments. And while richer egg yolk color is often associated with a taste difference and a little bit more of a rich, robust flavor in the egg. If you've ever tasted two different eggs raised two different ways that have two different yolk colors, you may notice that they do taste a little bit different. When it comes to the protein and the fat content and the overall nutritional bang for your buck that you can get from an egg, your standard conventional egg still delivers. The nutrition in eggs is not going to vary that much between the different types of eggs that you buy. So you might be asking me, well, then why does it matter? And why am I so confused when I stand at the egg aisle? That's because the front of label marketing and the packaging that we see on eggs is very confusing and unregulated. And so while some terms that you'll see on egg packages are regulated by the USDA or certain third party organizations, this is where a lot of the confusion comes in. So I just want to lay out some of the data on what different Um, terminology means so that you can begin to kind of identify what resonates most with you and your values for the food that you eat and the food that you feed your family. Because again, from a protein and fat perspective and a lot of the different micronutrients that you're going to see in eggs, they're very similar across the board, no matter how the egg was raised. That said, there's other factors that also come in. So I want to break these up into kind of two main categories. We're going to talk about a hen's living conditions. And and I'm going to just kind of say hens because it keeps it easier than trying to extrapolate eggs from hens. But you can understand that if hens are raised this way, the eggs that they will lay will be a byproduct of a hen raised in a certain environment or on a certain type of feet. So for all intents and purposes, most of what I'm going to say is just hens, just to keep it a little clearer. But we're going to talk about the environment that hens are raised within And then we're also going to talk about the diets that hens are fed as living creatures who obviously need to eat. And obviously some of what they eat is passed through to their egg. So my hope is that breaking it down into kind of these two main categories will help us to identify some of the label terms that are often used 
and help you to kind of organize and to categorize is it something that applies to their living conditions? Is it something that applies to their diet? And with this, is it something that may ultimately impact the nutrition of the egg? So first, let's talk about the most common and what takes up majority of the egg market, at least here in the United States. And that's of conventional eggs coming from hens that are raised in conventional environments. Now, if you've watched these different documentaries or seen different kind of horror films, Unfortunately, this tends to be the least humane way to raise hens. And that's because when you look at hens that are raised conventionally, they're raised in enclosures that are about the size of a piece of computer paper. So kind of that eight and a half by 11 spot, I think it's technically like 67 square inches that the hen lives its entire life. And so you're seeing not only is it not exposed to sunlight and the outdoors, but it's also not really allowed to move much because it's in very close quarters with a lot of different other hens that are all in these large facilities to produce a large number of eggs. Now, when we look at pros and cons for each eggs, the good thing is, is these tend to be the most affordable eggs because they're produced in the most mass quantities and thus the cost per egg is able to be driven down because the accommodations for each hen are just less when they require very little in terms of their living accommodations. Also, when we look at the diet of these hens, it tends to be much less expensive feed. It's usually things like corn or wheat or a very vegetarian diet. And sometimes you might even see that labeled on the egg packaging, vegetarian diet, but that can mean a variety of things as we'll see between something like a conventional egg fed a very conventional diet. Obviously, if an if a hen is raised with very little ability to spread their wings, walk around, free roam, or eat anything outside of the feed that they're offered in that 67 square inches, then they're going to have a very conventional diet that's very uniform and it's not going to have a lot of dietary variety. This is where we will often see the paler egg yolk because not only have they not seen daylight and gotten that added vitamin D from sunlight exposure, but also we're not seeing the omega-3 enrichment that we see in some other eggs that have had a more enhanced feed or diet given to the hen itself. So while these eggs are still very nutritionally dense, and again, you still get a lot of bang for your buck with conventionally raised eggs, and they are safe by all U.S. regulations, it is still important to consider how you want the food that you consume to be raised. And so that gets us into the conversation of things like cage-free. Now, because of the negative connotation that often comes with conventionally raised eggs and the type of facility that house such hens, we've all probably seen a large increase in the number of eggs that are marketed as cage-free. Now this can sound great and it can sound like this is a huge improvement for the quality of life for the hen and maybe potentially the nutrition in the egg that we receive as a consumer. However, it's important to know that these environments are still not the gold standard from animal welfare perspective. So this is where it can get really confusing because when we look at eggs that are raised in a cage-free environment, it makes us think that they have a more farm-like 
life where now that they're not in cages, they're exposed to a more kind of traditional lifestyle of a chicken. However, what we see with cage-free is simply that it is a regulated term, but it's regulated to mean that the chickens are not in cages, but instead they're kept in large buildings or facilities. So they are given more room to roam and to move about and you know roam freely, but it does not require that such hens are exposed to the outdoors at all. And so while we see some advantages over conventionally raised eggs and that these hens can roam freely, they do have more access to food and water at various places within the facility. They're able to move more. So for understandable purposes, you know, it, it changes their body composition in terms of the chicken itself. But we still don't see a huge difference in the egg quality or in the nutrition of the egg. There is again, a humane element, depending on how important it is to you and how the hens are raised, because there are some methods used to prevent chickens from pecking at each other when they are in close quarters, whether it be conventionally raised or in a cage-free environment that many, especially animal activists, have concern are very inhumane. So again, that's a personal choice. I'm just sharing the information of kind of where we see some of these challenges arise. And when we see the propensity for the hens to attack and hurt each other or the tactics that are used to help circumvent that, we tend to see it more with the cage-free eggs and then also the conventionally raised eggs. So then we move on to the labeling term that we often see as free range. And free range eggs is where we're getting to see that commercially raised chickens have access to the outdoors. So they aren't raised in cages and they may get to play outside, but the amount of time that they spend outside is often minimal at best. So while by definition, the USDA requires for free range birds to have some sort of access to the outdoors, in some facilities, this may be as minimal as kind of what's referred to as a pop hole or an access point that gives them very little space or ability to actually go outdoors. So this is where we see more of the third party certification coming into place where there's additional certifications that egg producers can pursue in order to show that they are meeting certain certification requirements for more humane animal treatment and living environments. So organizations like the Humane Farm Animal Care have additional standards in place for things like being considered certified humane free range. And that would mean that compared to the government's definition of free range in such birds having maybe 1.2 square feet allowed per bird in the facilities, the HFAC's certified humane definition of free range would give birds up to two square feet per bird. And again, I share these numbers just because if you are visual like me, sometimes it helps to kind of visualize what kind of environment is this bird living in. So when we're looking at that 67 square inch piece of paper size versus just over a foot or square foot, you know, living size versus two feet, we can begin to kind of understand a little bit more of what challenges and advantages come with different living environments and how that ultimately impacts the quality of the hen's life and the eggs that we thus buy and eat. So this is where we start to see if there is going to be some sort of nutritional impact on the egg. We tend to see it come about when 
the quality of life for the hen is improved and they're given access to outdoors. We think about the exposure to sunlight, the impact that that has on fat soluble vitamins and things like vitamin D, as well as just their overall health of the hen because they're given the ability to move about and often to eat a more diverse diet because they're exposed to elements outside that might be things like worms or pests or bugs, but they're also given access to things like grass and the pasture and more variety than just say a standard conventional diet of grains fed to them like corn and wheat. So this is where we start to see the impact of not only being able to move, but also the impact of having access to go outside as a positive influence on the overall nutrition of an egg. To take this a step further, we look at things like pasture-raised eggs. Now, this is not a term that is regulated by the USDA, but it's often on the packaging that you'll see for eggs. And this is where chickens are apparently raised outdoors and have majority of their time outdoors as if the pasture is where they are raised. However, with free range and with pasture raised, you do want to have a sense of what the environment is from the brand that you're buying from. Because I know for me personally, when I can buy locally from someone at the farmer's market or neighbors who raise hens and sell the eggs, I'm able to ask them questions and to oftentimes see the environment that the chickens are raised within. However, when we're buying eggs at the store, these unregulated terms can be put on product labeling, whether or not the egg producer has actually met their requirements in place. And so for things like pasture-raised chickens or free-range chickens, you do want to have a sense on if these birds are actually allowed outdoors and if so, how much of time. Because again, the difference between a free-range bird does not actually mean that they're given times outside. If it has that humane certification, it may mean that they get more time outside but your highest likelihood for hens that are raised outdoors with as much access as possible to not just sunlight, but also more space, it's upwards of around like 108 square feet per hen for a pasture raised. If you're comparing that to even the humane certification for a free range of being around two square feet per bird, that's a huge difference in the amount of space that such hens are given to live and roam and have ample space from other birds. And so how do we look at all this information? Because I will say that I would consider if cost aside, I could recommend anyone eat any one of these eggs. My recommendation would be pasture raised. I think that's as close to how we want our food raised as possible. However, as with a lot of things, as they're made more natural, I talked about the conventional eggs being the most cost-effective for the nutrition that you get in your egg. However, pasture-raised eggs, while the gold standard, come at a heftier price tag. And so you have to discern, is it worth it to you to buy an egg that is more expensive because you're paying the premium to get some premium nutrition from something that is already a very nutrient dense option like an egg, but you're also paying into the farming practices that are facilitating these types of environments for hens, just as if you're paying into the conventional egg industry, you're paying into the practices that those utilize. And so as with every purchasing decision, we get to decide what we want to spend our money on, but I want you to feel informed so that it's not overwhelming as much when you stand 
at the egg aisle, but instead you can see, okay, what kind of environment do I want the hens that lay these eggs to live in? What kind of feed do I want the hens to be eating that inadvertently are fueling the nutrition of this egg? Again, the egg as a starting place in a conventional egg is still a really nutrient dense option. But if you want to be optimizing that nutrition that much more, you would understandably want it to come from a mother hen that has a much more nutrient dense diet, more exposure to sunlight and increased vitamin D, and just the ability to move and roam and spread their wings and exercise their bodies in a more healthful way than say a really tight cage in space. So as we get to Easter and as we make different buying decisions, eggs are gonna be on sale this week, thankfully, and we're going to see that a lot of them are less expensive. And because of eggs shelf life, it might honestly be a great time to stock up on eggs if you know that your family will eat through them as I know my family often does. But if we're dying eggs, of course, I'm gonna choose ones that have a white shell, which again, does not impact the nutritional status of the egg. However, I, if we're not, we usually don't eat the eggs that we boil because we're playing with them and hiding them and things like that. And so I'm not as concerned about what's inside the shell or the nutritional quality. However, as I have access and the ability to buy different forms of eggs, my preference tends to be a pasture raised egg if and when possible. Now, sometimes I will purchase ones that I know have been certified humane free range because I've already pre-vetted the company to know that while they haven't gone to that extra step of pasture raised, I feel confident in their farming practices and in their treatment of the animals and then the overall egg production process that that company implores that I feel that it's not necessarily worth a couple dollar extra, extra per dozen if it's a company or a brand that I have built trust in. This said, if and when you can find someone local who raises eggs, ask in a neighborhood group, look on neighborhood Facebook groups, your neighborhood next door, because a lot of times people will know within the community who raises eggs. And oftentimes if there's many people in your neighborhood or in your area, they will even do like, I know we have someone here who will drop off eggs to deliver it to us because enough of us in the neighborhood want these eggs. We also, our local farmer's market always has someone there that's selling farm fresh eggs and I usually will pay five tops of $6 a dozen for these farm fresh eggs. And these are as fresh as they can come. Again, assuming that you can trust the farming practices of this local farmer, neighbor, whomever it might be. This is very close to pasture raised. They're not going to be labeled this way because a lot of people who are just, you know, raising chickens as more of a hobby rather than a true business aren't going to go through all the hoops and financial steps required to get that kind of certification that they are technically pasture raised. However, if you talk to them, most people, especially on a local, really personal level, are willing to share with you their love and their passion and their care and their attention to the hens. And they just simply have a surplus of eggs that they're able to sell and to monetize in their community. And so this tends to be the most economical way I find to purchase such eggs. Otherwise, you'll often see in my Costco hauls, I often will buy organic eggs from Costco because that's kind of the second most cost-effective option that I see. And then when it comes to just needing to access eggs, they're very accessible. So know that no matter what eggs you have access to, whether that be physical access in terms of where you live and where you shop, or if it's just access in terms of where you're prioritizing your food budget, know that any egg is going to be a really nutritionally dense offering for your family, and you can feel freedom in that decision 
but I hope that this episode has helped equip you with a little bit more information to inform your purchasing decisions. 